And if you if you just look at what breast implants are, they are not healthy. So even if someone doesn't think they're having problems or they don't think they're having symptoms or maybe their symptoms are they're normal that they can deal with on a daily basis. If you look at the ingredients and you look at what they do to where they're placed in the body, what they do to our lymphatic system, what they do to our endocrine system, they just, those chemicals disrupt everything in the body. So at the end of the day, I mean, we could all take a little spoonful of arsenic before bed every night and we would still be alive and we could still function and work our jobs and raise our kids. But is that healthy? No, it's not. So at the end of the day, no matter how someone is feeling about, or, you know, feeling as far as symptoms, they're just not healthy to have in the body for anyone. Hi, Dr. Axe here. Listen, if you want to take your health to the next level, you need to start getting more superfoods in your diet. And one of my favorite superfoods is grass-fed beef. You know, grass-fed beef is loaded with nutrients like iron and magnesium. It also is high in protein and healthy fats. And this is why I am a huge fan of Paleo Valley beef sticks, which are made from 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef infused with organic spices, and as a bonus, they're naturally fermented. They're clean, they're a high-quality food, very high in protein, which is great for your health and well-being. It's made from locally sourced farmers right here in the USA who prioritize the well-being of their animals and the land they graze on. It's a win-win for your body and for the environment. Head over to paleovalley.com slash the health institute to receive 15% off your first order today. I can't wait for you to take your health to the next level with Paleo Valley's grass-fed beef sticks. Hey friends, welcome to the podcast. We have a great interview for you today that will no doubt change your perspective and knowledge of the cosmetic industry, specifically to breast implants. Now, this isn't your average breast implant illness conversation. We talk about politics, the governing laws around informed consent, conflict of interest, and even the future of devices like microchips and implants. And yes, these already exist in some parts of the world. So my guests today are two boldly passionate women that have taken the charge to inform women on the dangers of implants. Robin Tout is a former teacher and three-time cancer survivor who was harmed by a medical device. This ultimately led to a passion to advocate for medical device safety. She then co-founded GPAC, which is the Global Patient Advocacy Coalition, and is also a member of the Arizona Association of Patient Advocates. Robin has testified twice at the FDA in support of patient safety and proper informed consent. So pretty much Robin is a force to be reckoned with and she is making some noise in the arena of cosmetic surgery. Now, the other half of this powerhouse duo is Amanda Porta. She's also no stranger to the effects of BII and has one of the biggest voices on social media for educating women on this topic. So much so that she's been shadow banned for the last three and a half years, which props to you, girlfriend, because you know you're doing something right when you've been shadow banned for almost four years. But despite all the censorship, she has still had her content featured on places like Goop, ABC, Newsweek, and The Surgical Times. Amanda now works as a patient advocate for the prestigious Dr. Kevin Brenner, who is a wonderful plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills and helps women through their explant journey. Now, I know you're going to find this conversation empowering and informative, and you may even get a little fired up like myself. So y'all ready? Let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Anxious Health Podcast. Boy, 
We are really in for a treat today because I have two beautiful women that are powerhouses. And I love it when the ladies get together. And I know, listen, I miss Dr. Motley. Always love having my co-host here, but the ladies, this is a ladies takeover and it's about to get real, real. And don't be intimidated by this conversation. If you're a female, we are going into the world of cosmetics and specific to plastic surgery. And I know that I've talked a lot about breast implant illness because I myself have my own experience. We're not talking about that on this episode, but we are talking to two other women and they have put really, this is like their life's work since it has affected them personally. And they are advocating for women all over the world. And the impact that they're having is incredible. I've been following them and their work on social media and other outlets. And they're really sharing a message that has been buried. We were even talking about this a little bit pre-show and I'm already getting long-winded, but I want to be able to say this because it's so important. If you have been watching or following, maybe just seeing little glimpses or glimmers of information around breast implant illness, there is so much more there. Like you are, I mean, it's the stones that get turned over and the information that you end up finding out, it will really blow the lid off of what you thought about cosmetic surgery. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to our guests today, Robin and Amanda. They are going to share a little bit about their stories because they each kind of have their own personal kind of journey with breast implant illness. But I think it's really important that we allow them to share because you may identify with this. It may resonate with you. So Robin, Amanda, thank you so much for joining us, for having a little, you know, we're having some curl time. It's going to be great. I love it. Nice to be here. Okay. So let's get into it. Robin, why don't you start? Tell us what brought you to this point. I know that there are probably so many different milestones, big things, but give us kind of the, in a nutshell, like where things started and brought you kind of to present day. For me, um, everything started in 2017. I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I chose to have a double mastectomy and was talked into reconstruction with silicone breast implants that my doctor told me were safe and FDA approved. So with that, I immediately got sick. As soon as my implants went in, I didn't have any chemotherapy or radiation. So there was really no reason for me to be as sick as I was just from having surgery. And I've had other health problems in the past. Um, This was actually my third cancer diagnosis. So I'm, you know, no stranger to surgeries and procedures and treatments, but breast implants took me down. And when I say that, like I was a healthy middle-aged, very active, you know, go, go, go type of woman. And I just was stuck on my couch. I went from walking five to seven miles a day to not being able to even walk to the mailbox. So they really did take me down and none of my doctors, which I had a whole team of doctors, you know, for my breast cancer diagnosis. None of them told me that this could happen. So when I found out very quickly, just from networking with other women and, and, you know, trying to get to the bottom of my symptoms and found out that it could be from my breast implants, that made sense to me. So I had them removed. I only had them in for four months. That four months, like, I'm not kidding. I've been a mom. I've had cancer three times. I've been through a lot in my 50 years of life, but that four months and the, the whole seven month journey was unbelievable. It really opened my eyes when I woke up from my explant surgery, feeling better, being able to breathe for the first time in seven months. You know, it really opened my eyes to what's going on here. And I kind of just became obsessed with it and wanted to know more. And I really started researching into what are breast implants and 
what is the history behind them? And, you know, I'm a teacher by trade, so I love to learn and I love to teach. And the things that I started to learn were absolutely horrifying. I just followed the last 60 years since breast implants have been on the market. And I basically just went on a mission to expose it all and, you know, help those that both came before me and that are working alongside me for us to just expose this problem and hope that we can, you know, make better influences in the medical community so that there's just an overall better standard of care for patients and safe medical devices and informed consent, you know, because that's a lot of what the biggest complaints we see in the BII community are that the doctor didn't tell me. These patients had no idea that this could happen. So that's pretty much my mission in a nutshell and why I'm here. Oh, man. I mean, to think that you had cancer, you know, your body, uh, your body's immune system really, you know, being suppressed in, in this position where you're trying to recover and then having the implants on top of it. And we know like the, the implants, I mean, it's like a full-blown battle for your immune system because they, they know that, that there's something there that shouldn't be there. So it's unbelievable that you overcame what you overcame. Like that you're, and, and I mean, I love that you, you know, it wasn't enough for you to just have success, like have a win in your own life. It was like, no, everybody needs to know about this. And so, and I know some of your work and going to DC and really advocating, you know, and, and speaking up to like major organizations like the FDA that says, Hey, these things are great. You're going to be fine. Like we've been implanting them in tens of thousands of women for years. You know, you're, you're maybe an outlier and you're saying like, no, that is not the case. So I, I, I just commend your effort in going up against some big guns because I would actually love to know because of the the nature of the beast of social media, like what type of, and, and maybe we can get into this in a moment, but I can only imagine, you know, some of the pushback that you've gotten because, hey, let's be honest, breast implants, that's a money-making machine. I mean, cosmetic surgery is huge, especially in the United States. Like it, that, that's a business enterprise, like that, that whole thing. And so what you're doing has big stakes. Like, there's a lot at stake for these businesses that sell devices. I sold devices before I ever got into natural health. I sold spine hardware. So I know the money that can be made on these things. And it, it is a 100% a business. So this is not nothing about your health and nothing about really you looking good. It's about profiting off of vanity, essentially. So, okay, Amanda. Let me get, let's get your story and then we'll go dive all in because I know I'm just going to, it's like, we're just going to hit rabbit trails, but it's going to be good stuff. So Amanda, please, you know, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Give us, you know, the rundown. What is it that you're working on? What is your, your, your passion project and why is it your personal passion project? Thank you, Courtney. Well, I've worked in plastic surgery in the beauty industry over 20 years. So when I figured out that my breast implants were the root cause of my chronic illness for seven and a half years. I felt like I would have a big voice in this community and I wanted to help. I was shocked. I, I literally felt like I entered the twilight zone when I started putting the puzzle pieces together at the end of 2018. Um, I received breast implants in my mid twenties because I had a very minor, but it still bothered me, breast deformity. And I was really reluctant to get them. I even tried having a surgery before because I just didn't want them. Although um, a lot of my girlfriends had them at the time. So I got saline in 2003. Um, I pretty much right off the bat got something called capsular contracture. 
necessitating them to be replaced the following year. That same plastic surgeon was on maternity leave. So I went with another one that was very popular in the area that I lived. And he was actually working with the manufacturers and he was doing studies. And he said, you know, when we replace them, I'd like to replace them with silicone. Now, not knowing a lot about implants at the time, I do remember saying, wait a minute, isn't silicone bad? Because at the time there was a moratorium on silicone breast implants and saline was the only type available. And he said, well, yes, but they're coming back on the market, new and improved. They are so sturdy now that you'd have to get, this were his exact words, a spear through them in order to puncture them. So he was more focused on the rupturing of these breast implants and not the overwhelming impact they can have and other symptoms that they can cause. So, you know, at 20, whatever, I think, okay, well, this man's doing studies. He said I was going to be part of a study with these new implants. So if it's not going to cause rippling on the side, since I'm quite thin, okay, well, let's try them. I got the breast implants replaced in 2004. And, you know, looking back and putting it together about nine months in, I started getting really horrible, like hormonal disruption. I was having a hard time sleeping. I was having night sweats. I had a terrible ovarian cyst that I ended up in the hospital for three days. Never though at that point would I have linked it to the breast implants. Although I do remember going to a gynecologist and the gynecologist saying, well, this is your normal. And I said, well, no, it's not normal. So that's why I'm here today. So, you know, I realized they've been gaslighting me since day one. And it's not just the plastic surgeons. It's many different types of doctors. So life went on and I would, um, I gained, you know, 12 pounds that I couldn't get rid of. And that doesn't make sense based on my body type. Inflammation would come and go, but it was only about five to 10 pounds. But then it was in 2012 that all of the symptoms came after a small fender bender. You know, it can be a physical trauma to the body that can cause that um, or a stressful event in your life. I had, well, it started with a vertigo episode. And that's interesting because I hear that now from so many of my patients. It started with vertigo. I'm not sure what that's all about. It started with vertigo. I had everything from thyroid dysfunction. My hair was falling out. Um, my vision was impaired. I am still a, a dancer. I work out twice a day. I could not walk up a flight of stairs without being completely winded. I was walking around like I was a retired football player and it didn't make sense. And I saw 67 practitioners in those seven and a half years. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. I was leaving no stone unturned. It was just that those breast implants had become part of me. And so I just wasn't thinking of it. And here I'm working in plastic surgery the whole time. In fact, from 2015 to 17, I was selling breast implants when I was at my students. I had them in my hands and that was the very thing that was making me ill. And I had no idea because at that point, even 2017, then my colleagues were lying about it and say, no, there's never been any illness associated with breast implants. And that's where I, I was... I should have researched it anyway. And I didn't, I trusted them. I thought they care about me. I'm making them a lot of money. Why would you lie to somebody about it? All those practitioners that you saw, nobody questioned your, your health history and like the surgery of, okay, you've got breast implants. 
Like that never came up that that is a potential. No. And, you know, I'm really happy to see it on intake forms now because when I was going through this, it wasn't on any of the intake forms that I remember filling out. And even when I made that shift and fell fell in love with holistic medicine, now I'm a health coach and I've been studying it since 2012 with German doctors. Even the holistic practitioners, I do have to say, they didn't ask either. Like it didn't, I, I, I did go to a medical medium who kept saying, it's your chest. It's something about your chest. I said, well, yeah, I know I've got pleurisy and costochondritis and I kept rubbing my chest, but not thinking because I just wasn't supposed to wake up yet. I look at it that way. I yeah. needed to go through this journey. I think the full seven and a half years so I could really understand what these women are going through. And now I'm working for the surgeon who removed mine, the only surgeon that I saw in Beverly Hills, the beauty capital of the world that was honest with me and said, you know, I have been seeing this more and more, and I think we should take them out and leave them out. And I said, I think it's a great idea. And so now we primarily just explant patients. That's, oh man. So I need to know, Robin, did you, because you only had yours for four months. So I'm curious, did, was this something that you questioned and thought it's got to be the implants or did somebody say something to you about it that brought some awareness that, you know, Hey, I mean, you're obviously probably very, uh, like in tune with your body, having gone through a lot of different treatments and surgeries and things like that from a cancer diagnosis. But was that something that you picked up on initially and said, Hey, I think this is the problem. You know, I picked up immediately that something was wrong, but I was having a hard time pinpointing it because I did Google in 2017, our breast implant faith, and I didn't find anything. And at the time I wasn't on social media, so I wouldn't have come across the the BII groups, you know, or anything on Facebook. So I knew something was wrong. I just couldn't figure out what it was. And I had joined this breast cancer forum where you can connect with people all over the world. It's like a big chat room. Um, cause I wasn't on social media. So that was like the closest thing. And I just kept typing questions and all the breast cancer ladies were like, oh yeah, I have that. It's from chemo. Oh yeah. I have that. It's from radiation. And I'm like, I didn't do chemo and I didn't do radiation. Why do I feel like I'm dying? Hmm. I mean, I could, I could understand feeling that way if I was in the middle of chemo, but I wasn't, I literally just had surgery. And you know, my first cancer diagnosis was when I was 23 years old. So over that, you know, three decades, I've had I think over 14 surgeries and biopsies. So, you know, I, I know my body very well. I just knew something was wrong and I couldn't figure it out. And then at one point I thought, well, maybe my cancer came back. Maybe I'm stage four and the cancer is spreading everywhere because I was literally sick from head to toe. Headaches, hair falling out, eyelashes falling out, rashes on my chest, rashes on my legs, trouble breathing, difficulty swallowing. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is it. I'm going to die because the cancer was metastasizing everywhere in my body because everywhere in my body was a train wreck. And then there was a girl that reached out to me on that forum who actually lives in my hometown, which is kind of ironic because this is a worldwide forum. And she private messaged me and said, look into your breast implants. I had a boob job for 12 years. And the last 10 years I've been sick and bedridden. So I said, sick, what do you mean sick? And she messaged me back with her list of symptoms. And I was literally checking every single one. I'm like, that's gotta be it. That's the only thing it could be. So thank goodness I found out really quickly and, you know, just 
I got him out immediately as soon as I could, which wasn't soon enough. So yeah, it was really frustrating to me because when I did get them out, I felt normal again. And that was, it was the best part. And it was the worst part because I'm sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, what, what just happened to me? And how many other breast cancer patients is this happening to? Hmm. And it just, it was really a really daunting, dark thought for me to think of how many of these women are just blaming it on chemo and radiation. And this is my new normal. Just like Amanda was told, this is just your new normal. That, that's what they tell you after breast cancer. And it's not normal. This is not normal. So yeah, my body knew immediately. I knew immediately. It's just, it took me a little bit, you know, to figure it out exactly what it was. And I'm glad I did. And like, what a powerful story of the body's ability to heal. Because when we can kind of, we can just remove the things, the barriers, then your body, I mean, not only overcoming cancer, like having breast implants and all of the symptoms associated that, I mean, it starts dysregulating things across the board. So you've got, a, it's, it's an uphill battle. I mean, there are a lot of women that are detoxing things for years afterwards, but like what an incredible testimony that you have overcome so much. And like your body has literally showed up for you time and time again with you just giving it the right things, like the the fundamental stuff that we talk about on all of these episodes. I want to like bust this myth because I know that there's probably somebody listening and I've had conversations with plenty of friends, like people that I know. And they'll say, Hey, you know, I've, I have implants, but I don't have any symptoms. So like, I, you know, I must be one of the lucky ones. I, you know, they're not affecting me. Like I feel totally fine. I don't feel any different, Mm, but not so fast. Right. So I would love, I would love for, 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 you know, both of you, one of you, somebody like we gotta, we gotta bust this one because it's, that can be very, very misleading for a lot of women. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I find it interesting. So before a patient comes in for their consult with Dr. Brenner, I do a discovery call with them because I want to give them hope. I didn't have one person during my journey to talk to. And I always say, if I had just had one person that told me it's going to be okay, it would have made all the difference in the world. But as Robin states, it's so true. Instead, we are running around like crazy people going to all of these appointments worried to death. I can't tell you how many women say to me, I thought for sure I had lung cancer or something worse. So now you're adding that stress on top of everything else, then the monetary stress of all the money. So I like to help women as much as I can as a health coach and I help them prep their bodies and I help them for the first weeks after their surgery. I cannot tell you. So I, I, I set up the call and then I say, would you please refer to this list of symptoms from breast implant illness so we can discuss on our phone call? And sometimes I met with, you know, oh, I'm not sick. No, 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 I'm just removing these because I'm just tired of them or I don't want to. And I said, well, that's fantastic. I, I don't want anybody to be sick, especially from their breast implants. But just if you wouldn't mind reviewing it and then we'll discuss every time. Oh, I have all the symptoms on this list. I'm like, oh, all of them. And they're like, most of them. And I'll say, but, but you don't think you're sick? And they'll say, well, no, my, my doctor said that this is very normal for 40, or this is very normal. I just had a baby or, well, I just went through a divorce, you know, or it's the patient who has had them for a long time. Again, I'm not sick. They've been great. I just want to get them out. I don't want to have, you know, further surgeries. And then they get them out 
One, um, her rheumatoid arthritis reversed within six months. Just the way they feel afterwards. They say, wow, I didn't think I wasn't feeling well, but the energy I have now. And so, and then I just think there might be some women who might not be in touch with their bodies yet. And so there could be some underlying things that they're not aware of. And if you, if you just look at what breast implants are, they are not healthy. So even if someone doesn't think they're having problems or they don't think they're having symptoms, or maybe their symptoms are, they're normal that they can deal with on a daily basis. If you look at the ingredients and you look at what they do to where they're placed in the body, what they do to our lymphatic system, what they do to our endocrine system, they just, those chemicals disrupt everything in the body. So at the end of the day, I mean, we could all take a little spoonful of arsenic before bed every night and we would still be alive and we could still function and work our jobs and raise our kids. But is that healthy? No, it's not. So at the end of the day, no matter how someone is feeling about or, you know, feeling as far as symptoms, they're just not healthy to have in the body for anyone. And but that's a that's a benefit or risk ratio that those patients should be able to make an informed decision about based on all the information that their doctors give them. And that's not happening. And these plastic surgeon societies are notorious for purposefully lying and covering up the problems with breast implants. They tweak the science. The way they word the science is very deceptive. I have done a lot of research into the people behind the science and lo and behold, they've accepted millions of dollars from breast implant manufacturers. That's a conflict of interest. And so really how seriously can you take that science when they have such a large conflict of interest? So when you really start to dig into the research of the entire history of breast implants, like I've done over the last five and a half years of my life, it really opened my eyes to all of it. And this, you know, guys, listen, we're opening a can of worms here, but this goes for the medical system across the board. This is not just the cosmetic industry. It's everything. So you think that hip replacement you got or, you know, the plate screws in your back or in your neck or whatever, if you don't think that your doctor isn't profiting in some way, shape, or form off of it, you are likely incorrect. There is conflicts of interest all over the place. I mean, you can even go to pediatricians' offices. I know what they make money on for your kids staying on schedule with them. I mean, they are profiting on it. So it is not just about your children and their healthy, you know, their healthy, unadulterated bodies before, you know, a lot of other things can take place. So it's, it's, it is a broken system and it goes real deep and real far. Like it spreads deep and wide as they say. So, oh, it's so frustrating. So here, here's the thing I'm thinking, you know, if you're a woman and you're like, okay, well, I still just really want implants and I want to at least just explore it because, you know, we live in a superficial world where we see everybody's highlight reel on every social platform and everybody's got a filter on and everybody looks great all the time. So here we are all feeling insecure about our bodies and I'm, you know, I just want to go talk to a surgeon and I will trust that the person with the MD is going to give me the best information about this and I can choose that for myself. So that woman's in the office. What is it that they're getting right now that they're going to have to, you know, basically the information that's going before them? Is it something that is really 
like we're, we're actually uncovering a lot of things or is it just going to say, hey, it's FDA approved? Now, I know about the black box warning now, so maybe you can speak to that, but I would love to know, like, what is it that most women can expect? What is it that they should really be aware of that maybe their doctor and surgeon are not going to reveal to them? Well, in Arizona, I actually have a state law passed for informed consent for breast implant surgery. So every single woman, if she is considering breast implants in the state of Arizona, will get proper informed consent. I'm working on that same legislation in five other states. And that same group of surgeons that I was referring to earlier has tried to stop it in every state I'm working in. Why they don't want patients to have that information is really disturbing to me because, you know, it's, if you just look at cigarettes, right? We all know that cigarettes cause cancer or they cause lung cancer, but people make an informed decision every day to buy a pack of cigarettes that has the warning on the box and they can choose to smoke those cigarettes and take that risk, but it's an informed risk. And so it needs to be the same with breast implants. Why they're not giving the patients the information, um, that's an uphill battle. It's one I've been fighting for the last almost six years, except for in the state of Arizona where it's been signed into law. But right now, there's no requirement for women to get anything. The FDA said that manufacturers are required to give a kind of watered-down patient checklist that's kind of half the version of the, the one here I did in Arizona, but there's no mandate. So if a surgeon doesn't give it to a patient, there's no consequences. The FDA says, if you don't give it to a patient, then we'll, we'll have the manufacturers stop selling breast implants to you, but there's no checks and balances. They're not going into plastic surgeon's office and auditing their patient records and making sure they signed the paper in the back of the form. And so without checks and balances and without consequences, we have nothing. Patients are getting nothing. Um, and that's just sad because there, there are really some devastating health effects from breast implants. There are women like Amanda who have seen over 60 doctors and spent years of their life at tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, trying to find the root of their health problems. And it's very simple if they were given the proper information. You know, I am highly encouraging people at this point that if they don't get that information, they need to start taking legal action, not only against their surgeon, but against the medical societies that are pushing this narrative and holding back this information from the general public. So we need accountability. We haven't had accountability for breast implants in 60 years, and it's time. And if anyone needs help filing a report against their surgeon, against their um, the surgeon's society, against anybody who was involved in their breast implant surgery, I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to help patients report to the FDA adverse events that they've had, because every time someone reports to the FDA, then they have record of harm. And I do want to point out the FDA was hiding over 446,000 reports of women harmed by breast implants. They were hiding a total of 6.8 million reports on medical devices like dental implants, surgical mesh, breast implants. So the FDA is not holding manufacturers accountable. The FDA is not doing their job regulating these devices and reg regulating the manufacturers. So when people understand truly what's going on, uh, it is a very broken system that we're trying to fix. And so what is the recourse then? Because if, if somebody is having all of these problems and I've run into this too with friends and they, they're like, I'm just getting the runaround and I feel like it is my breast implants, but now I can't afford to explant because listen, 
like we're talking about cigarettes or alcohol, you fill in the blank with those things. Okay. Hey, all of a sudden you find out a piece of information and Hey, changes the game. Maybe I should maybe not pick up that cigarette. Now I know a little bit better. Maybe I should, you know, we're talking about breast implants. This is a surgery. It's going to cost you five, 10, 15 plus thousand dollars to get them removed. It is not like all of a sudden now I know better. I'm going to do better. Like now you've got a, a very expensive bill that you have to foot. A lot of women can't afford to do it. And then what's the recourse, you know, because like you said, you file a report, you have to go after your surgeon. I mean, what does that look like for most women? Because that can be really discouraging. It can be. And if you look at the hierarchy of who's at the top, it's the breast implant manufacturers and they control this very small group. If you think of like a pyramid, they control this very small group of surgeons who control everything having to do with the entire breast implant narrative. They control the studies. They control the funding for the studies. They sit on the editorial boards of the medical journals. So they decide what studies get published in the journals. Not only that, they decide who gets the money. to. So if you're doing a study to try and find out that women get sick from breast implants, they won't let that study get funded. They'll fund their own self-interest study. They also control the CME classes, the continuing medical, medical education courses that are taught to medical students and their peers at their society meetings and whatnot. Um, they control the narrative there. So it's really disturbing to see the trickle-down effect. And the breast implant manufacturers are at the top pulling the puppet strings on all of it. I mean, my mind is blown right now. And I, 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 I'm like, you know, nothing really surprises me that much anymore when we're talking about conventional medicine just in general. But this is crazy about the studies and everything too, which really just tells you how deep the roots go. Like the more you start to discover, the more you realize I probably, I've only got a fraction of the information. And this is why you've got to have a super critical eye when it comes to everything, your food, the products you're buying, like, because there's, there is a lot more there. Listen, we all don't have all the hours in the day to have to investigate everything, but this is why we have these conversations because it's really important that you know this stuff up front, especially with something like breast implants, because that's a big decision. Like you're having surgery, you're entrusting a doctor with your body. Like there is a lot of implications for that. I remember personally having a little bit, you know, I was like, okay, I don't know. Like, is it worth doing? I got kids now. Like what if something goes wrong in the surgery? Like all because I feel insecure about my body. Like I remember those feelings and, you know, I still went with it, went forward with it. And I, and now in hindsight, I'm glad that I have this story. You know, it did take a toll on my health too, just like it did for you ladies. And it's so interesting um, listening to your symptoms, Amanda, too, because I had, there's so much that I can relate to with the vertigo and things like that. And I was so healthy and I was fine. And all of a sudden, like my hair is like thinning and I was standing in the grocery store at one point and I'll never forget it. I was like holding the grocery cart and I was like, I think, I think I'm going to fall over. Like I'm literally going to just fall sideways on the floor because everything just started tilting. And I was like, this is so weird. Never have I had that experience since I explanted. So, I mean, it's, but it's just wild. Hey, Dr. Axe here. Listen, one of the greatest things you can do for your longevity, health, well-being, even your happiness is get short workouts in every few days. I think a lot of times we feel like we don't have enough time or energy to get a workout in, or maybe we have to be working out hours a day. Here's the truth. If you're doing the right type of working out, you sometimes only need to work out 15 minutes a few days a week. This is why I love Carol Bike. It can help you achieve a workout in just 15 minutes with AI personalized workouts 
tailored to your individual fitness needs. Listen to this. Research shows with Carol Bikes, you can increase your cardiovascular fitness by 12%, reduce your risk of type 2 diabetes by 62%, and lower your blood pressure by 5% in just eight weeks. This is an incredible at-home workout you can do with Carol Bike. Head over to carolbike.com and use the code Health Institute for $100 off your bike today to take your fitness to a new level. So, okay, I would love to know know this because I hope that this is this isn't scaring anybody or, you know, we're certainly not fear mongers here, but we are are trying to really expose something for what it is so that you can be the most educated person when it comes to the things that you're signing up for. So for women that maybe have implants and they're they're in that position where it's like okay I'm starting to see w- this for what it actually is what are the steps that they need to do maybe to find a surgeon what are the questions they should be asking is there is what is it that they need to be aware of in the explant part because now I'm thinking oh gosh I've got these implants and now I need to get them out what if I don't have a good explant procedure and something happens there and now I'm still sick that's a big question um, because it's happening. Um, a lot of women who follow me on my um, social media platform have reached out and said, you know, so I got my implants out a few years ago, but the surgeon at the time left the capsule in. I, I'm still feeling just as sick. Maybe a couple of things got better. What do I do now? And, you know, this is another very controversial subject that I'll let Robin talk a little bit more about. But I even said to my boss, I said, you'll see, we're going to start seeing now women who have been explanted, capsules left in, still feeling ill, who now want to come in for exploratory surgery to remove the capsules. And we just um, had a woman at the beginning of the year from Switzerland, one called from Hong Kong. So I just feel like that's going to be the next thing. And then they have that secondary surgery. And almost immediately when the capsules are removed, the scar tissue around the implant, they start feeling better and their body can start healing. That's incredible. You know, there's cancers, the cancers that the FDA just released a statement about grow and develop in those breast implant capsules. You know, and for the record, I'm not making anything up that I've said here today. I have proof and I, I can source every single article, every single study that I'm talking about. That same group of people who's in charge of the puppet show, you know, they were the ones that told us the allergen textured implants were safe. Those are now recalled worldwide for causing cancer. They are now promoting a new implant that's got a microchip inside of it. And they're saying the same thing about that implant that they said about allergen. Oh, they're safe. All of our patients are fine. Nobody's having problems with them. This is the new gold standard. Um, and they have a, a, a tracking device, an RFID chip in them. That same group of people is also telling their society. These are like, these are the president, vice president, and secretary of the society of the research foundation. So these are the top of the top. And they're telling surgeons not to remove capsules because it's not necessary. But we're also having women that had excellent surgery, didn't get the capsules removed, six years later, three years later, two years later, diagnosed with cancer from those capsules. So this narrative that they're pushing, I'm going to predict that it's going to backfire on them. Lawsuits, I direct anyone who gets diagnosed with cancer after having capsules left inside them to go after the Aesthetic Society of Plastic Surgeons because they are pushing a false narrative based on a very small study 
that's got a huge conflict of interest and it's extremely biased. And these women are going to die. This new cancer that the FDA is talking about, it's not new. I have found case studies from 1992. This cancer is so aggressive that 50% of patients are dead within six months. That's as aggressive as pancreatic cancer. So I, this is why I'm fired up about it. And it's completely reckless and irresponsible for them to say when they don't know, they're saying there's no scientific evidence to remove capsules, but they don't know. If we don't have the evidence yet, just say you don't know. But to say not to remove them is extremely reckless. And I encourage anyone to file a lawsuit against that entire society. Trust me, they have a lot of money to go after. So hopefully we'll start seeing some consequences for their misguided behavior. It's just an ongoing battle for us. But what we can do is come on platforms like this where people aren't aware of this information and educate them. You should seek out a surgeon who regularly does explant surgery. You should seek out a surgeon who understands that breast implants make women sick, that understands that the chemicals leach out of the implants into that capsule and why it's important to remove it. And if you find a surgeon who understands the importance of that, then you can be assured that you're going to have a proper explant surgery and you won't have to go back for a second surgery. So I think it's just really important just to educate the masses on that and just not stop talking about it and use every chance we can, whether it's writing a magazine article, being on a podcast or a radio show or a TV news segment, just to educate the masses so that they all understand what we're dealing with here. I also wanted to bring up, Courtney, we were talking a little bit off camera about it, though, the censorship. And for instance, when they did um, decide, when the FDA announced that squamous cell carcinoma was connected um, with breast implants back in September, interestingly enough, you know, they announced it the same morning as Queen Elizabeth's death. So as you know, the press coverage on that was all day long. I was glued to the TV because I was waiting to see the FDA announcements. And then I receive a DM maybe two days before the announcement from Instagram. Your account will be shadow banned for the next 90 days. No, there's nothing they've ever once sent me that shows a violation. And yet I've been censored since the beginning of COVID. I started also posting about other things other than breast implant illness, like the chemicals that the FDA approved for children's foods and just interesting facts that I found really intriguing that other ones didn't do. So, but isn't it interesting? And I'm now pretty much completely shadow banned <laughs> because they don't want the truth getting out. Anyone you see right now that's censored is most likely telling the truth. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I consider that a badge of honor, honestly. So, <laughs> because it is true. And oh man, this is eerily similar to a lot of what we experienced with COVID when everything kind of shut down. And, you know, at this point, like it's pretty obvious there was a lot of calculated effort to withhold certain information to give you a specific narrative of what was happening, who was in charge, who the credible sources are that are in charge and why you should only ever believe their guidance. And that's really, for me, I was like, you know, I was pretty awakened to many of the things that were going on prior because obviously like being in natural health, you just start to see that. But that was really a turning point for me. And I, I'm, I like, I can't even the microchip in the breast implants for me. I haven't like, this is absolutely blowing my mind. Like 
So is that, I have to, like, now I'm just, my wheels are turning. Is that, is it like, what, what's the purpose of the microchip? Like, are we, are we like scanning our boobs for like, no. you know, it's like the new way to, the new Apple pay or something. Like what no. is the, what is the point of a chip? I'll let Robin discuss, but I have to say one of my followers, because you don't meet many that have that particular implant. They're openly done in Europe and I forget where she had hers done. And I said to her, may I ask, why did they tell you that you would need the microchip inside the implant? She's like, oh, they told me if I was ever in a car accident, I would be more easily found. I said, oh, honey, they don't care if you were in a car accident. I said, trust me. I mean, it's like, it's like a, a dog with a microchip. It's like, okay, let's find out who this one belongs to. Make sure we Actually, scan her boobs to see if we can identify the, her. The microchips that they designed that implant for, um, the, I, I, I have an article that, um, I can send you and you can, you can share like the links after the podcast. They originally got them from a company that was going out of business. They made the RFID chips for pets. And they were going out of business. I don't know. Their product was defective. And so they bought all these chips and they're like, hey, good idea. Let's put them in breast implants. But to answer that question on their website, they claim it's for patient safety because most of us know if you got your implants in the last probably 20 years or so, you got a little card that's about the size of a credit card that tells the serial number, the lot number that your breast implants are. But I, apparently we're just too stupid to hang on to those cards. So they're going to implant that information in the chip so that we can always have it in case we lose our card. So that is the reason that it says on the website why they have the, the, the microchip in there. But I've actually dug up some studies on those microchips and they're known to cause cancer. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. Like, I mean, embedding those things are already toxic as it is. Let's just throw a microchip on there. I'm sure that won't cause any problems. I mean, you imagine with all like the 5G towers, like all the EMFs and stuff, I feel like you, it's like you've got an antenna pole in your chest. It's just going to like radiate all this frequency and stuff. Oh my gosh, guys, this is, this is insane. I mean, we are living in the craziest of times. And I mean, I'm just glad that there's some warrior women out there. And I know there are so many other people and there's some men, but you know, that are just are, are really taking an uphill battle because you've got a bullseye on your back or chest or whatever the phrase is. And, you know, like this information is intentionally hidden for a reason because nobody wants you to believe that there's an issue with them and to see where things are headed. That's such an interesting to me. I mean, I think there's probably a lot even more in those microchips too, that it's like, Hey, you know, the, the intention once that's in you, I mean, think about it. Once that's in you, they can probably, there's probably a lot of capabilities with that chip that aren't maybe active or whatever, but it's already been thought about. Like there's a lot of different things that are in development with AI and stuff like that, that, you know, are, in my opinion, ways to control populations. Um, and, and so anyway, that's a whole other conversation for another day. But if you see me around town, I'll be sure to have it. <laughs> you know, you can stop me in the grocery store. We'll talk about it. Well, maybe not right now. Those implants are also textured, but they so coyly describe it as like a silk surface, not a textured surface, but um, textured implants are known to have a higher risk of causing cancer. So they knew that. So they called it anything but textured. They call it a silk surface, um, but it's not a smooth implant. Smooth is like the surface of glass, right? Just totally smooth. And um, it does have texturization on it, but it, you know, it's so many micro million parts per surface space. So they got away with saying it's like a smooth implant, 
but it's not. And, you know, those implants aren't approved yet in the United States. They just finished their three-year clinical trials and they've already been approved in Europe and the Latin American countries. And we are already seeing problems with them. We are seeing women that are explanting them. We are seeing them ruptured after two years. They're not new. They're not new and improved. They're not the next great gold standard generation. It's the same crap they've been making for 60 years. So we're seeing the same problems that we've been seeing for 60 years. So it's just, they just unwrapped it and put a different wrapping paper on it, different color bow, and see if how many people they can manipulate to get those. Yeah. Part of the game, the global game of implants. My friend has a new podcast coming up called the global game of implants. So we're looking forward to seeing, she exposes a lot of interesting, um, underground information that most people don't know about breast implants. So, Oh, that I I love, I love, you know, just hearing like, because there, there it's for the average person, this is not information and material that we're going to find, or for the most part, probably have time to really dive into. But if you know, if you know the source, if you can connect to the source, then a trusted source, then it's all of a sudden you can start to see where, where the information is that makes a difference for you and how you can start making sense of it. Because if here, here's the thing, and you guys all know this, but if you're looking for a trusted source, that trusted source is not going to try and sell you their narrative or convince you to believe what they have. They're just going to present you with the facts and they're going to let you sit with it and you make the decision. And that's really what we do, you know, in having these conversations is like, hey, let's just get the people together that one have lived, you know, N of one, like we've all three of us have lived through this. So we can speak from personal experience. This is not a man sitting here talking about, you know, breast implants. Like these are women that have had them that lived with the symptoms of them. And now we're on the other side down the road where we've had healing and restoration and can say, yeah, it was the implants. And that is not a coincidence. And it's not a coincidence that thousands of other women are experiencing this too. So I would love to know what, for both of you. And I know that you each have your own lane and there's a lot of overlap with this, but what is your battle cry? What is it if if there was one thing that women could take away from this conversation? And maybe if they don't have implants and they're like, I would never get them. I guarantee you in their sphere and their circle of community of women, they probably know somebody that has them or is considering them. So what is it? What's your battle cry that you feel like? I just would, I just want women to know this one thing. And you could start Amanda, if you want to start first, because I would love to know what that is for you. I just think that they must know, and only because I've just fallen in love with holistic health, I had almost 38 to 40 symptoms. I am completely, I would say, healed um, as far as we can tell. I don't think there's going to be anything long-term. I feel so lucky, and it hurts me when I hear women still struggling, even after they've been explanted. You know, There are some that will still struggle, but then again, these are followers of mine. I don't necessarily know their lifestyle or what they did in healing. I created the first holistic breast team um, that is available to any of our patients, just because I know it took a village to get me better. But I would also go back to your lymphatic system. It's a system of our body that people weren't talking about before. In fact, doctors have even told me that they really don't learn that much in medical school about it, which I find interesting. So since 2012, I kept saying the future is all about the lymph. A stagnant lymph is what causes aging. So I have lymphatic work done not only on my body, but my glymphatics in my brain, my lymphatics in my face. I don't do Botox or filler. I just keep a very healthy lymphatic system. That's what carries out disease and toxins from the body. So if we're in the time of a 
global pandemic, shouldn't that be the number one thing that we're all talking about? That's so true. What's your favorite like lymphatic practice? And I'm sure you have many of them, but like some people are into rebounding and some people like gua sha. Like what's your, what's your favorite that you're like, I actually look forward to this one thing. I'm going to say the hot, cold showers, even though it's miserable in the morning when you're doing it, it makes such a difference. At the end of my shower, I'll go from hot to cold probably 10 times and just have its own pump. So we have to pump it. So yeah, rebounding is fabulous and rhythmic walking. There's so many exercises too on YouTube. If you can't get to the um, lymphatic massage therapist, get on YouTube, practice those. It's amazing for your body. Yeah, we had, uh, I'll have to link this one in the show notes. We had um, Dr. Perry Nicholson on uh, last year and he's like the lymph guy. He's like the lymph doc, but uh, he knows all the things. But yeah, I mean, lymph is like, that's so important. We're talking about just moving the stagnant. And, and even if Dr. Motley were here, he's he can talk about stagnation all day because we, I'm like, what is stagnant? And he's like, is it, do I have liver stagnant? I have like all these <laughs> different things, but you know, there's so many things that we could do that don't cost money. Like, you know, just moving your body. I'm like a huge fan. If you follow me on Instagram, I do handstands like everywhere I go. And I swear it like makes me happy because it just, just the practice of like getting upside down, like inverting for a second. It's like your whole body just kind of like it forces it to shift and it, but it, you know, it's moving blood like all of a sudden. So anyway, just try handstand at the end of the day <laughs> and you know, the hot cold. Yeah. No, you need to try that. But for radiation, it cl- radiation and all the radiation we have around us, it closes down those blood vessels. So doing exactly what you're doing, it gets all the blood flow to the brain. It's excellent. I'm just too scared to do it, but it's excellent. <laughs> oh, I, well, you know, I have to say like it, when I started doing it, it was really my daughter because she's into gymnastics. And I was like, that's really cool. You can do handstands. I wish I could do one. So I started doing it. And like one of the first times I did it, they had this like really intricate Playmobil house, you know, that has like 400 pieces. And I went crashing backwards on it. And I had like bruises and cuts like all over my back and the kids were crying. It was like pure hysteria. <laughs> so it was kind of a traumatic event. So maybe just make sure you're not doing it around like all of the little sharp pieces, plastic toys that your kids have, because that did not work out well for me. But, you know, since then I've gotten much better at my handstands. Nice. That's so cute. <laughs> Okay. So Robin, share with us, what is it? What's the battle cry? I think my biggest battle cry right now is informed consent because we're still struggling to get that information out there and knowledge is power. The information is powerful. So if the women know the information, then they can make educated and informed decisions and they can seek out people like Amanda and her holistic breast team to help them heal from whatever it is they're going through. The gaslighting is out of control. So there's no excuse for any doctor to dismiss a patient. And we're so blessed that we've been able to find groups of doctors that understand this. And if they don't understand it, they say, I don't know, but I'm going to help you find out. You know, we love that. We love seeing that. We love hearing that in the community for, for people to say, I went to the rheumatologist today and he's the one who told me, get your implants out. They're probably making you sick. So just getting that information out there, I think is my biggest battle cry. That's so good. Well, and here's the thing. So in order for all of us to do better, we've got to be connected to these resources. And both of you ladies, you are so consistent in showing up for people and providing those and creating a, a place where people can connect with other women so that they don't feel like 
they're the only crazy person. Cause like you said, the gaslighting is insane. Most of the time, you know, these women are going into their doctor and they're just like, okay, well I'll, I'll spill everything to my doctor. And then, you know, they find out, okay, well that's just normal. And they're like, oh, okay, well, I'll just go home then, you know, and that that's just not true. <laughs> it's not normal. So you've really built a community for people to plug into and connect to so they can say, okay, I'm not crazy. And like, who did you talk to? So here's what I want to make sure because our show notes are going to be so packed and I love it. I'm here all day for all of these different references and stuff. And I want to make sure that we give all of our listeners places to connect with both of you and the platforms that you show up on so that they can learn more and connect with other people that are part of your tribe. So where is it that they can find you on social? What is it that you guys have right now that may be a really good place to start if you're just starting to learn about a lot of information and they just want to get plugged in and connected? Our website is gpacunited.org and it's full of information. It's free. We're not behind a paywall. We're not a nonprofit. Um, We just, we help people because it's the right thing to do. And I do have a lot of information that I talk about online all the time. And I know it's confusing and people are like, wait, what study? I encourage people to either visit our website, click on our resource page, but you can PM me directly. I will, at no charge, I will provide you with whatever information you need to educate your doctors, to educate your family and, and friends, anyone who's looking for information, anything from studies to history of breast implants. Um, we also deal with surgical mesh. We have a lot of harmed patients from surgical mesh from hernias and um, pelvic mesh. So click on our resource page, message me directly. I'm happy to answer any questions or send anything your way um, just to help out. Oh, you know what? I also had an abdominal hernia and had surgical mesh. So that, and it's still there. Whatever is left of it is still there because they couldn't remove it because I had so many adhesions. I ended up in the emergency room and believe it or not, I actually got the abdominal hernia surgery the same year I got my implants within months. So it was like a freaking double whammy. <laughs> there are so many things. I'm actually, now that I'm sitting here, I'm like, man, my body, like I, I'm actually, I'm actually impressed. <laughs> <laughs> they were still sitting here, but I mean, that's the thing. And I even told my surgeon, like, don't use mesh, don't use mesh because there's like freaking lawsuits on TV. It's like every other, you know, ad I'm like, you don't even have to go digging for the information. It's like, if you've been harmed by surgical mesh, da, 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 call your attorney. I'm like, okay, we all know surgical mesh causes problems, but and they ended up putting it in anyway. So here I am, you know, years later and I still have like, I can still feel it. It's like as hard as a rock because of all the adhesions and scar tissue. But anyway, that's a little personal you know, journey. You bring up a good point though. I actually, um, I, I volunteered at a golf tournament last year and we're doing it again this year in October. And we had a planning meeting a few weeks ago and I haven't seen these people since October. So it was good to see everybody. We were jumping on a Zoom call and as we were just, you know, jumping on to talking about the weather and stuff. Uh, one of the guys said to me, Hey, Robin, I just had hernia repair surgery last month. And because of your speech at that golf tournament, I didn't get mesh. And I was like, yay, you know, I'm celebrating. He took it a step further. And I want all of your listeners to hear this because we all need to take charge and advocate for ourselves. He made his surgeon sign a disclosure saying that after this patient goes under anesthesia, if I open him up and decide it's in his best interest to get mesh, the surgeon must close me up and I will go find a doctor who will repair my hernia without mesh. And he made the doctor sign that. And I was like, that is brilliant because look what happened to you, Courtney. You said, please don't use mesh. And you wake up and you're like, sorry, we had to. No, you didn't have to. Yeah. You could have respected the patient's wishes. 
Exactly. I know. Oh my gosh. Because I, I was like, and he was like, yeah, you know, I just got in there and I just knew you were going to re-herniate it unless you had some type of mesh in there. And I'm like, well, great. Now the freaking damage is done. And oh yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? For somebody that is going to be a game changer for you. So I'm glad that we brought that up because it, there are so, there are so many times where it's a game time decision. You're not thinking about it on the front end and you're trusting that your doctor in surgery is going to advocate for you. Like they've got to make the decision, but if you don't have something in writing, that's very, very clear, Hey, I don't care, you know, come hell or high water, you abort mission and I'm done. I'll go figure out another, you know, route to take, but I, you know, I just figured, Hey, I'll just vocalize it. And they were like, you know, we just decided that that was not, you know, the best for, for your health. And now here I am. You know, I don't know how many a, years later. It's an easier surgery. It is so much easier to slap a sheet of mesh on a patient mm -hmm. than it is to take their own native tissue and use sutures and repair that hernia by hand. Same with breast implants. I can't tell you how many women have come to me and Amanda and said, you know, I had four kids. I breastfed. I just wanted a lift but my surgeon talked me into implants. I have heard that story way too many times to count. And that's tragic because, you know, it's so much easier just to pop an implant in than it is to surgically do a lift to basically enhance the woman's breast the way she came in and asked for it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, it's 20 minute surgery just to pop an implant in her and sew her back up. So when they say we thought it was best, best for who? Was it best for the patient or was it best for you to get the most of your OR time that day? Mm -hmm. I snapped my thumb in half, literally snapped the bone in half and like almost amputated my entire thumb. And I had emergency surgery the next day. The surgeon was on his way home from the office and he saw my, my x-rays and the pictures and he turned around and came back to see me and got me in surgery first thing the next morning. And I just begged him. I said, whatever you do, please. Cause he told me he was going to put a, a pin in my, in my bone. And I said, please don't. And he's like, well, what if I have to? And I go, just take the, the piece of bone that I broke off. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. I do not want a pin. I'd... And he goes, but then your thumb would be shorter than the other one. I'm like, I have no boobs. <laughs> like, do you think I care if one of my thumbs is shorter than the other? Don't put the pin in. And I woke up from surgery and he hadn't, he hadn't put the pin in. So we really have to be an advocate for ourselves and just demand it. And like this man did, now that I know that, I'll get it in writing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So hopefully everyone can. Yeah, I'm so glad we went there because it really is. And I even had like, when I decided to explain I, you know, was interviewing surgeons that I went to the first one that I went to, and I will never forget the words he told me were, oh, you don't want to take these out. And I said, no, I do. And his response was, well, it's going to, you're going to look terrible when you take them out. And I, I was, and my husband was there and it got real ugly because at that point, like I knew, I, I, I knew they were toxic. Like I had done my research and I was so irate. And I just, I mean, I lambasted him. I, I think he was like mortified, like partially shocked and just like so taken aback. But I was like, I cannot believe you would even have the audacity to say that to a woman, like, first of all. And like, second of all, like, who the heck are you to tell me I'm going to look terrible and I need to just let them like, I, I just, anyway, y'all, it got real heated and, and I ended up, I stormed out of there. And so, and I just knew I was like, this is unbelievable because there's another woman that's going to come in and say, Hey, you know, maybe I, I should remove them. 
And some doctors could say, mm, that's, that's a bad idea. Like it's not, you know, you know what you're going to look like afterwards. Right. And then that woman's going to go, oh yeah, maybe you're right. I'll, I'll, okay. It's probably, you're right. The symptoms aren't connected to it. I'll just go home. You but know, that's happening, every, that's happening every day. Yeah. Every day that conversation is happening. And I have a kind of a famous quote, same as you, when I really knew, and I was begging for these surgeons to remove them to save my life. I really kind of felt like that's where this was headed. That was what all three said. First, they said that all these women were liars. And I said, oh, so you're telling me 150,000 and just one support group, they're all just making up the same story. And they said, yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing they said, well, and we're not even going to take them out because this is not what's making you sick. I said, how about just, I want them out. They didn't want to take that. And I said, you let me worry about what it's going to look like because I can't feel like this anymore. And that's when I left all those offices and I went home and I prayed and I said, God, if you find me a surgeon who will remove these. I even bet it's going to look great. And do you know, like I have to, I'm the happiest I've ever been. And I had a breast deformity implants and now just me. And if I had listened to them, I don't even know where I, if I'd be here today. Oh man. Preach it sister. I, I love this. I feel I, I'm I'm feeling the energy and I hope that all of our listeners just feel empowered and feel like a sense of love and compassion because I mean, we have been in the trenches, you know, I mean, and all of, and there are so many women that are in the trenches right now, maybe even feeling a little bit helpless because there's not anybody that's advocating for them. And they don't maybe even feel like they have the tools themselves or trust that they can advocate for themselves. So know that you can, you know, and you should at this point, like whether it's for your implants or it's just for, you know, your healthcare, like it could be going and running your, you know, everyday labs. And maybe the doctor says, well, you don't need those labs and you don't need to do this and you need birth control and you, you know, question it. And it's okay if there's not alignment or synergy or agreement at all. And then you can say, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. Like you get, you get a vote, you get to choose. Like your healthcare provider is not just you know, a one size fits all. And you're going to have to probably go through quite a few to find the people that you really trust that do advocate for your health. So these women here are, are doing the work of the Lord out there, just helping, you know, advocate for women in the space of cosmetic, the cosmetic industry and what a cutthroat industry that is. So um, I thank you, both of you for the work that you continue to do. So guys, we're going to link everything in the show notes for you. There's going to be a lot of resources here. Actually, I don't know, um, uh, Amanda, I don't know. Do we get your social handle and all of that? I'm the holistic beauty coach on Instagram. And you can also find me at, um, kevinbrennermd.com. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I wanted to make sure I, we just keep like getting, you know, on all these little things, but I think it's great. I love where the conversation has gone. I'm so passionate about this and I'm glad that all, you know, all three of us were able to come together. I really feel like this conversation was needed. And guys, if you know somebody, or if there's somebody that, you know, is, is maybe questioning, Hey, should I have this procedure? Like the way that we change the world is by sharing this message. So share this episode, like it, put, you know, share it on social media. You never know like that one person that you just happen to click on. And it's like, oh, I've never seen that, you know? And then all of a sudden it's 
two or three more clicks down the line. And then they've, you know, they've hit a jackpot of all of this knowledge. So uh, we love hearing from you. You can head over to the Health Institute, send us a DM. But ladies, thank you so much for joining me, for sharing your time, your stories, your passion, and the work that you're doing. I am so excited to see great things to come. And uh, and I believe we'll have some probably great collaborations to do in the future. Thank you, Courtney, so much. Thank you. Hey, Dr. Axe here. I want to say thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss a thing. Also, if you're in search of more natural health content, you can follow us at Health Institute on Instagram or subscribe to our newsletter using the link in the show notes below. Hey, thanks a lot and have a blessed week.